I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. As you know, if you've been listening to us, I am Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. We're the most widespread art fair for artists in the US. We're also one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and of course, marketing of your art. Today, we've got Angela Terrace here with us on the mic. Angela is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to turn your art into your own creativity business. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you, ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so we are back here with Angela Terrace and we're ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Angela Terrace is an ex-digital artist who's gone handmade. She trained at Chelsea School of Art in London and set up her first creative business at the age of 22. She illustrated over 20 children's books for Paragon Publishing and Scholastics, among many others, created illustrations for Next Clothing and Stationery Companies, designed ceramic homeware for Liberty London, House of Fraser, and independent galleries around the UK. She's also a creative coach drawing on her background in psychology, confidence coaching, running her own creative business, and working in nonprofit art organizations to support creatives who do their best work. She's also the co-author of three books on creativity and coaching. Most recently, self-published her first illustrated book called Mindfulness for Peace of Mind, A Practical Guide to Finding Your Inner, Inner Calm. That's a mouthful, but it sounds amazing. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Angela. Hello, Alex. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So before we dive into the questions, I just want to ask you something to help our listeners get to know the real you. And that is, what is the earliest memory that you have of art? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think it's at school. I can even visualize myself sitting there. And I probably was like five at primary school. And it was making probably Christmas decorations uh, with toilet roll tubes and glitter. I remember there was lots of glitter. So it, it was very cool. So I think that was the earliest time that I remember sort of getting messy with art materials at a very young age. Um, so I, good I love, memories. I love that. And I'm from the other side of the pond. And I do remember the toilet tubes with the glitter as well. We, we did it too. And I don't know why that was such a universal thing, but I guess it's good from a recycling <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> I love it. Um, so 
you went from being a digital artist to a handmade artist. And obviously you had some experience coming from primary school. Um, why was this shift in medium crucial for you in order to start enjoying the art making process again? And then what advice do you have for artists who might be looking to play with a new medium? Hmm. Uh, I think there was lots of things going on at that time. Um, and I think I was really ready for a big change. I'd been wanting to go, um, sort of painting for a long time, but I'd get to that point and get my pens out, my paints out. And just the sort of the fear would just take over and I'd backtrack. And, uh, you know, there's a great comfort with working with computers with that undo edit button always being there and uh, and suddenly you're you're sort of painting and that isn't there is your security backup so it kind of been there in the background for a long time but I think the main thing for me when you're talking about enjoyment it, it's three words it's a three-word sentence and it, it is about liberation from perfectionism um and that's really about what my art's about is um, just getting away from. I find computers very restrictive. You know, you're sitting there and it's just eye movements and moving a little cursor around. Um, and for me, painting is very much a whole body experience where you're moving around and grabbing paints. So it's much more an intuitive process, I think, compared to when I'm working on computers, which I think activates more the the thinking mind it's more of a cerebral process um well for me sort of painting is is much more about intuitive um switching off the overthinking and the over analyzing because the minute that gets sort of triggered that's when i lose the connection with my painting so um it is very much around that permission just to to play and experiment and see what happens. And I think in regards to, to people trying out new media, um, I think the first thing really is about giving yourself permission uh, to play, experiment, but also permission to fail and mess up, which I think is really important as part of the creative process, is to embrace that um, sort of making mistakes and working with them and creating something new from those mistakes instead of automatically that edit undo button um and also to allow yourself to be surprised by the media uh, and and just see what comes up for that and the most important thing is to actually set time aside to do that um a particular time that you're practicing experimenting playing and also your response to that material as well you know are you actually re-enjoying really that material and if you're not just move on to another material that you might find that's more satisfying and you're really connecting with I, I love all of that and i wanted to underscore two things that you said that i think are really interesting which is liberation from perfection and permission mm. to fail, right? Because, mm. you know, we have a saying that I really love, which is more is lost from inaction than wrong action. So sometimes mm. you just have to give yourself that permission to fail and just take those steps, liberate yourself from this quest for perfection and just 
do it. I mean, it's a little bit cliche, a little bit Nike. I hope they don't listen to this, but, um, you know, really just like, you know, like doing something and, and, and do in choosing to experiment. And if you don't like something, put it down and try something else. I think that's an amazing way mm-hmm. of thinking about it. Um, yeah. I also love you just drawing the comparison between digital and then physical creativity, like using paint or whatever other media. Um, you know, I haven't really heard it explained that way. And I really appreciated the way you explained it. Like one being this sort of cerebral pursuit, like in front of a computer, and you're literally just using, I mean, the amount of muscles we use to use a computer, it's mm. crazy, but you end up getting this crazy muscle tension all over your back, but like your actual finger is the only thing that's moving. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of crazy because if you're in a studio painting or building a sculpture, when you're like walking around, grabbing things, like there's a lot going on and you're walking around. And so it's like, you know, it's such a different experience. And like you said, it's much more like fluid. It's something that you're, you're just kind of, what was the word you used to describe? Because I like that mm. for painting. And I think it, it was more intuitive, embodied intuitive. as well. Yeah, it, intuitive. It's, it's like um, a physical response to what you're creating. I think I really like the textures that you get. Well, on a computer screen, things are flat. Even though you're creating textures with the brushes you use, it's still flat. While yep. with, with paints and chalks and uh, materials and colors, you, you're creating a a 3D, you can see it, you can see the depth of color and how things play off more than with on a computer screen. I I, lo- I love that. And I think it's not an indictment of computers or so, such amazing technology out there, but just to be able to get out there and be <laughs> tactile is so important right now, especially. Um, so what inspired you to start your own creativity business at such a young age? I have here, it was at 22. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I think, to be honest, I didn't think, it just was automatic. It didn't dawn on me that you kind of left college and went and got a job and did something different. It it just never dawned on me to do anything differently. It was just, yeah, I'll go and do that. That sounds a good idea. That sounds fun. I'll go and do it. Um, there was a process into it, I suppose, to uh, get that to happen. Um, I left uh, college, art college, and I did have a, a part-time job. I was working as a mural artist for East London Borough uh, Council, creating uh, large mosaic murals. Um, and while I was doing that, I was also going back to Chelsea School of Art and I was making ceramics. And I was really enjoying the process, learning ceramics about glazes, uh, creating sort of nice homeware pieces. I was really enjoying it. And there were really lovely people there. And after a year, the um, our funding was cut and we were let go. And it was just right then what am I going to do? And as I said, it just didn't dawn on me to go and get another job. It was just, well, you know, I'm enjoying making ceramics. I'll just see if I can sell them and see what happens from there. Um, I also applied to, over here we have the Princess Youth Business Trust, which was set up by Prince Charles about 50 years ago for supporting young people. When I applied, it was under 25 years. Uh, Now I think it's up to 30. Um, to support young people in setting up their own businesses. And that really sort of set me on 
um, a good pathway. Um, I got a grant of £3,000 that I had to pay back. I was given a business mentor that helped me for the first six months. And I think that's where my love and mentoring and coaching came from, is from that experience with a coach who was a really gorgeous, lovely man. He was so patient with me. Um, He probably, I don't know what he thought of me at all. I had no business sense at all. Um, And most importantly is the trade fairs, the big trade fairs, which um, over here that cost a lot of money that I couldn't afford at that time. Because of being part of the Princess Youth Business Trust, we had it at a vastly reduced rate. And I had access to these amazing um, buyers from around the the country. And that's when Liberties approached me. And Liberties is a well-known department store here in the UK, uh, in London, Oxford Street. And I worked with particular two departments and buyers there who were absolutely lovely and really supportive as well in sort of pushing my work further and it just developed and grew from there and like I say I had no plan I had no business plan it was just yeah that's a good idea I like making ceramics I can make a bit of money off it I'm enjoying it it's fun and that was it and I did it I really wish I had that sort of gumption of my 22-year-old self now, it's uh, really quite brave when you look back. I'd not thought of it like that at all. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. And I mean, that's something, you know, I look back at being 22, 23 years old <laughs> and, um, you know, I just moved to New York and, and, you know, I actually opened a restaurant in New York City when I was 23 years old. And I'd only lived here for about a year at that point. And it's like, you know, capturing that i think it's actually really kind of a a neat point i love i love the story and i love you know how this came to fruition but you know Mm. finding ways to capture that now like however old we are whether we're like you know 28 or 33 or 45 or 60 or whatever it may be like figuring out what is that formula and capturing i think is such an interesting challenge for us and you know we can find ways to do it so very Mm. cool Mm. um so what is your process with a new client that you're creatively coaching? And like, what are some of the first steps you explore with them? Yes. Um, well, when clients um, approach me, the first thing I do even before the call is I will send them sort of three questions just so that I can understand where they are and where they've been, their experiences, uh, also the challenges they're facing. And also their best hopes for our time working together. So when we actually get onto a call, I already know that backstory. So then the sort of the first session isn't taken up with um, that discussion around that. We can really jump into the nitty gritty, so to speak. Um, A lot of the time it's really around finding out their best hopes but also what they want instead of what they've got right now because when people come and asking for help they want something different and sometimes it can just take a little bit of questioning and sort of drawing out what is it exactly the what the details because we tend to overgeneralize a lot of the times like you know I want more confidence I want more happiness which are a very broad spectrum And part of the process is actually to sort of really find out 
what is important about that to you and, and, and detailing it down. So if I can start imagining what they're describing, it then means that my client can start imagining it. And if they can start imagining it, it can start becoming reality for them because they're mentally practicing what they're going to be doing. So it doesn't become um, a huge mountain to climb. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I recognize this. I'm familiar with this because I've, it's a bit like the sports psychology where you know, people are visualizing and mentally practicing the actions to where they want to be. And that's kind of the process and the start of the process of how I work. I love all of that, guys. You're going to want to go back, listen to this question specifically, and take notes. But we have to jump over to a message from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and hear what Angela is going to tell you. But what you want to know about lessons in money making, creativity, and much, much more right after the message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. And we are back. So Angela, you have co-authored books on creativity and on coaching. Mm -hmm. What is the most valuable lesson that one can take to succeed as their own business? Mm. So when it comes to business, I think there's two aspects to this. One is obviously is, is kind of the business aspect. I think you've really got to fall in love with running a business. I love running a business, especially with it being a creative business. But I actually am really proud of running a business. And I think that's really important to, to feel that you're proud of it, you know, and that you're passionate about it. And the other aspect is, you know, success means something different for all of us. Uh, what's successful for me might be very different to you and to somebody else. So understanding your why you want to do it is really important because that gives you, it's like um, solid roots or solid foundation that you can keep on coming back to. So, you know, when maybe self-doubt starts coming in or maybe somebody's been really super critical and judgmental towards you or um, maybe a contract hasn't come in as you'd wanted and you start to doubt yourself a little bit, you can always come back to what that why is and it can help you refocus, recenter yourself and go, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. And that then keeps you going and that momentum to keep going. I just want to underscore one thing you said, Angela, and that's understanding mm. your why, right? Because yeah. 
I mean, that's so vital for anything, whether it's like the art you're making, how you're positioning yourself as an artist or as a creative professional, whatever it is, really being able to answer that why question is, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would imagine you agree. It's, it's so, so important. Um, so what would you say, you know, like, besides answering the question of why, like what is a one other step like someone might be able to take to really, you know, cut, break through some of those barriers that maybe are standing in the way of being as creative as they could be, either with their work itself or with just how they're positioning and selling their work? Hmm. Okay. So I think, um, I think one of the most important things when it comes to that is really understanding um, what creates self-doubt in yourself. Um, And that can often be is understanding your self-talk. And one exercise I do with, with clients often is when you're working, being creative, um, is to have a notebook and actually write down all the negative statements you're saying to yourself. And as you write them down, you can then actually process them. And these are the things that are often holding you back and it's fear talk and self-doubt. And when you actually bring them up and start asking yourself, well, you know, are these helpful towards my goals that I want and I've set myself? Um, Do they support me as if, I would be supporting a friend who was asking my advice around this. Are these thoughts actually true? And when you sort of become more objective about your thinking process and then how that thinking process then impacts how you feel and how you act, then you can actually sort of break through and keep moving forward. Uh, you you haven't got that unhelpful self-talk that's keeping you um, fear-based and instead you then move into more of a growth mindset uh, that propels you forward towards what you hope for yourself or your creative business or your creativity and keeps the momentum going. I, I love that idea and I love that strategy of taking these negative thoughts. And we know we all say them and, you know, sometimes we tell other people, but a lot of times we're telling ourselves, which is even worse. We're telling ourselves, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that promotion. You're not going to you know, get that exhibition, whatever. I'm not going to sell this art, whatever it may be. But it, it, as long as it's in your head, it's this like kind of, you know, nebulous thing with no shape or like you can't do anything with it. But once you've written it down, it just becomes words on paper and then you can analyze it and you can break it down and you can push it out so that then you can move past it. I think that's brilliant. It's such a good idea. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Um, so Naked Money shares the truth about art and money. Can artists? How can artists remove the shame around profiting off their work and take their business seriously to the next level? Mm. Yeah, that, that's such a good question, that one. Um, I think it's very much, I think there's two aspects there. So if we look at the money aspect, I think, because actually, if you think of it, money is inert. It's just money. It's just an object. It's just a thing. 
it's our beliefs that we project onto money that creates the problem. You know, we often have like um, money. You must be greedy if you have money. You're not spiritual if you have money. Um, there's lots of sort of limiting beliefs around it. And it's buying into those beliefs that create the problem in a way and, and keep you sort of stuck and uh, not feeling good enough sometimes around it. So just, again, is sort of stopping and going, well, what are the actual beliefs about money? And, I mean, who said? Who said that you can't make money with your artwork, your creative business? Who said that? Who is this person that is telling you you can't do that? I don't know who they are. Right. But, you know, we, we kind of have these invisible people going around, sort of sitting on our shoulders, dictated, no, you can't do that. No, if you like that, you can't be creative. Uh, you can't be a fine artist if you're licensing your work. You can't do this. And it's buying into those beliefs. So money is just money. And it's about your relationship with money and changing it and changing your mindset around it and your belief system around it. So it doesn't have power over you. I um, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I love that. I love the idea of like, you know, of, of changing your relationship with money, not like mm. the ability or the removing the, basically removing the stigma around making it. That's a really great way. That stigma around making it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's often it can be a, a societal thing that we've built, been brought up in this culture that, you know, art is supposed to, you know, maybe do it for free. You know, you love your work so much, so why would you want to earn money from it? Um, and it's about not buying into those. Um, and I think it's also with money is instead thinking of how earning that money instead of it just being about money, is how is that actually going to support you to do even more great art? So it's, is it going to give you uh, security? Is it going to allow you to have a studio? Is it going to allow you to uh, maybe take six months off to go traveling? To For me, it would be Japan. I love Japan. Um, and to be inspired, what, does, what will money actually give you and benefit you? What's the positives of money? Right. Like thinking about this, like, like what do I transfer money into that can, you know, either inspire me, like i.e. travel, which is another passion of mine. I have not been to Japan yet. I'm hoping to go in the beginning of 2022. Um, it was twice postponed with COVID. Um, no. yeah, I know. I'm, I'm so excited to actually finally get there. Um, and then also like, you know, can I literally just like, you know, buy the things I need, like the necessities to help me create work. And there's this sort of like, you know, I, I, I always refer to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the shelter yeah. food and so on. But I think everybody also has their own kind of hierarchy of needs, right? Like for me, travel is one, like, you know, certain quality of food is another. So being yeah. able to, you know, meet those needs first and then your output and your creativity, the things you do comes after that. And I think that that's um, 
something, you know, you, you're, it's not just like the money or the number in the bank account or like the stacks of paper or whatever it is. It's yeah. really, you know, what are you doing with it? How do you transfer it? And that is kind of, you know, the way the stigma is removed, right? Um, yeah. Cool. So Angela, this has been an incredible conversation. Let's bring it home for our listeners out there. Is there a call to action that you want to share with the business artist community listening out there to the artist business plan? Yes, that, that's great. Thank you, Alex. Um, if you want to have more uh, sort of creativity tips, I do have a free download on my website, angelaterris.com. And that has information, 30 tips to boost your confidence, your creative confidence and thrive as a creator. And it is um, tips that I've picked up over the years of working as a freelancer and as an artist that you can download and that will help you with your creativity. So I'd love to share that with you. Thank you so much, Angela. It's so generous. So artists, you're going to want to go back and grab that and then go and download it. So to all of you business artists out there, Angela has been here with us today sharing her amazing perspective with you. Again, you're going to want to go back, listen to this episode and take notes for sure, which you can do on our website, www.superfine.world. And once again, to connect with Angela, you can follow her on Instagram at Angela Terrace and visit www.angelaterrace.com. That's T-E-R-R-I-S, Terrace. And that'll be in the show notes as well in case you didn't catch that. As always, remember that we are Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. Anytime you're listening to us or benefiting from the show or maybe a lot of you listen in your studios, we always appreciate it if you can give us a share on your Instagram story or maybe make a feed post or TikTok or whatever you want to do. Just tag Super Fine Art Fair and then we'll, we'll store you right back. Um, also, another thing that we appreciate is if you can take a moment of your time and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's where about 75% of our listeners come from. And the more reviews, the more ratings we have on there, the easier it is for you to find us. As always, I like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And today, the quote is, anything I cannot transform into something marvelous, I let go. Reality doesn't impress me. I only believe in intoxication and ecstasy. And when ordinary life shackles me, I escape one way or another. No more walls. That's Anais Neen. Angela, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for joining and for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we are so grateful to you. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. The pleasure was all ours. Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. Yeah.